0: What, what would what would you guys say about like the idea that we're all worthy of love
1: I believe that yeah
0: mm. <laughs> 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 actually you have to be like a five and above
2: <laughs> what scale are we using we just wanna have fun we don't wanna fuck up none
0: Fuck up we, none don't fun. Fun. we don't fuck up none. and we, don't we we just, just want have fun, fun. Yeah, i'm so Murphy, my love. So now, for me alive, slow. welcome to uh, behind the curve. <laughs> the curve this is a men's rights podcast prepare to be schooled mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> i don't know how elias sold this to you guys but uh he, he's not kidding at all like
1: i think like, this is why <laughs> we're here yeah <laughs> very curious <laughs> I wonder if the surface level coverage of events is what people want or is it more beneficial for the news outlets and the media. So like I'm thinking I actually don't know what people want, but I, I do think that like, it would be helpful to have more deep dive and more uh, exploration into a lot of the topics that are being covered on, on the news or like in the 24 hour news cycle. But I feel like it's convenient for the news outlets to have a certain narrative that's packageable and branded so people can go to those certain outlets because they know, well, that's that's how they're gonna cover the story and that's what feels comfortable for me without challenging any of my worldviews or understanding of this event.
0: I think I, I definitely feel that probably, I guess I definitely see, I draw a distinction between uh, TV news and, um, uh, online like newspapers because uh, I think the the diversity of ideas tends to be a lot greater um, in writing online but I think like with TV news with something like CNN or Fox News and everybody in between um, I think I think a lot of what that depends on is I don't know a lot of hot takes like just like it, you need to get people's you need to get people's eyeballs on that um and so you have like these little sound bites and you can't have like i don't know i think that's why somebody like joe rogan is so popular even though it, i don't know i guess he's been people are calling to cancel him he has these really at length discussions like two hours three hours and like they just sit in it for like long ass time that's why podcasts are so popular because people want to hear people like really delve in and like flesh these things out. Um, And I don't know if you guys have ever seen, uh, watched Jubilee, Um, the Jubilee so much, right? I literally like, honestly, like some of their videos that discuss, I'm gonna do that. Some of their videos that discuss politics, they'll have like cops versus, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter protesters or uh, vegans, like where do you like land on the spectrum? And just hearing people talk really candidly, like the discussions they have seem so real in a way that, I don't know, a lot of, I don't know, news that I read doesn't capture that. And uh, I don't know. I I maybe it's maybe it's just like a, a a problem with I don't know, I don't know if it's journalists or journalism that maybe maybe just like the inherent difficulty of trying to like capture everybody's point of view and like condense it into like one you know package to deliver to everybody, but something like that where you're literally having people like arguing and discussing and saying all these different things. I don't know, it's like a really popular channel and they're talking about like really heavy topics but all of their videos like load up, like rack up like millions of views. And I think people are interested in those things. Um, I think there's so many like things that if you look on like social media or YouTube or podcasts, you can see that people really are interested in these topics. I think there's just a problem within the media, the way maybe they're presenting it. It's really hard to, I don't know, do it in a way that's like adheres to journalistic practices. Also, you know, you're having to balance that with, trying to sell you know something and then also yeah something that people are going to be interested in and they're going to like because you can get eyeballs with like you know some clickbaity thing but like are they really going to like stick around and want to come back to that
3: Mm. i think a big part of what comes up to that is that Jubilee, they make their videos with the intent to understand and that's what their journalistic background is just like Let's see if we can come to understanding. Let's see if we can figure something out Well, let's figure out what's like really at the root of these issues here with a lot of places like Fox News or MSNBC uh, Their intention is to to tell and their intention is to like just very very um, well tell how it's supposed to go in like the specific um, ideological place that they are situated in. So if we were to like, that's part of why Joe Rogan is so popular. That's why Jubilee is so popular. Like they actually, they come to it with like a level of like intentional humility and willingness to just hear people out that is often how you get to like truer knowledge. Um, Just for example, like look at something like defund the police perfect example if you're going into that with the intention to tell you go into it saying like oh look at this these these anarchists and these antifa folks they just want to get rid of the police so and now all of your property is gone and now all of, and now it's just it's a madhouse out there and other people on the, on the other side are saying like no this is a corrupt institution that needs to go da, 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 et but if you go into it with like an intent to understand you kind of have to look at that, it's like defund the police, like what, all the police, what What does that mean? Surely, surely you have like an explanation for this, and then you actually sit down and you start to hear the explanation for it, you start to hear it's like, no, we would like to take some money from bloated from bloated police budgets and invest more in the community so you have less of a need for police overall, and you can get more specialized care for the people who need it, and now suddenly it's like, oh yeah, I'm in favor of investing in community and investing in schools who wouldn't be but that's only if you're going into your conversation with a very specific mindset and honestly I don't know if in America this is the moment for that mindset we 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 kind of lost like along with critical thought in a lot of regards we kind of lost uh inspired rhetoric and uh, inspire and inspired empathy like we've never been a humble country but I don't know now it just feels like it's egregious. It's a lot right now. So I don't know how easily we're going to have those conversations in the future.
1: Um, I was just thinking about how intentional
2: those like phrases might be. Like how extreme they might sound and maybe for like A really like powerful reason um is is so that people don't even want to continue a conversation you know like defund the police is so loaded that like it could go in so many different directions and i almost think that that's like for a reason so that people don't even consider talk it's like defund the police like my uncle's a police like i'm not going to talk
3: to that person um heard it for the first time and i asked in which neighborhoods, like,
0: hopefully, not this one, we kinda, uh, yeah, <laughs> what, but I take your point. Dude, what do you mean it's intentionally like that? It's me. you meaning like, whoever came up with that term made people, cause, cause Dami has this whole conspiracy theory that like, wh- wh- what did you mean by that, sorry. <laughs> My conspiracy is that, I, I love the image
3: of just like, a bunch of really, really rich people just sitting around a table, saying like, "How are we going to mess with these folks today? How are we going to how are we going to get this money today?" And when you look at through like looking at it like that, it's just like the the world. That's part of where my awe comes from. That's just like going down the rabbit hole like that. But uh, the thought was to come up with the phrase so intentionally divisive, defund the police. Like that means so much to so many people so immediately that it's almost like, it's kind of an intentional thing. Like if I wanted to break up, if I wanted to break up the solidarity that um, I was looked out the window seeing, seeing like young white people, young black people, seeing young Asian, Latino people, along with like a lot of people from older generations together, what could I do to like break that up? oh, I know what I could do. I could put something so divisive right in the middle of it that it like split, it ends the whole conversation and it ends it in, in a way that you spend more time talking about that than actually talking about how you can get together. And then it just leads up to defund the police. Now you have people talking about like, but who who will protect us from the really, really bad people who are in the world? And then you have other people saying like, no, we gotta like do more to invest in the community. And now all of the, a lot of the pressure is now directed inwards within the movement that is inclined to make a lot of change within society and the people around that big golden laid table the elite people are just like look at look at these folks just like focused on the smallest on the smallest thing when really you, we all want the same things in different they just have different names for it it's crazy it's
0: so crazy it's Jenny and Sadie funny. are like are like clapping and shit <laughs> <laughs> <suddenly. Yeah. laughs>
1: I think it's funny because I think the only part that is a conspiracy is the like table part. Like I I agree.
3: With corona and they I, might be doing it over Zoom now, but yeah, I take your <laughs> point.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> I think honestly, like the division of people on surface differences to keep people distracted is built into the country, right? Like, I think that that's part of like chattel slavery and racism and sexism, just like keeping people at each other's throats based on like skin color or like sex or gender sexuality, as opposed to, like you said, like uniting and realizing that like, we don't have any welfare programs or like we don't have any like universal healthcare like what what's going on like yeah so i i follow i completely i'm on the conspiracy train i guess
2: yeah i feel the same way like there's probably you know some other way it's being formulated but it's still Happening, and the focus is not so much on. I don't want to say them,
0: <laughs> but it's... okay. Okay, that's the thing. That's Call the them thing out. when I'm here. Called them when I'm- out. When I'm- <laughs> well, when I'm hearing them or when I'm hearing this is what's happening, I'm like wondering, like, who is doing this? Like, are we saying that's the government? Are we saying that's the media? Are they like sitting around this table? You, you know, can deep dive into it if you like want. Like, the Hamptons, are they, message- are they, is this just like this giant Zoom chat where like like the Clintons, they're having, you know, this like online Bilderberg meeting kind of like, like, I, I, I don't know. I guess there's ways in which I could see like, you know, the two political sides they have, you know, their are different agendas that they're trying to push. So they're like, okay, what's the thing that's going to get like the Democrats the most riled up, you know, you know, such and this and this, you know, we're going to wear these little outfits and, you know, that's going to, you know, get the Libs really fired up and piss off the, the conservatives. And I, I, I don't know, I guess the, what gets me about that way of framing it is I just imagine these people just like sitting around just like, you know, having the scheme. And I don't know, I guess if there was a way of describing it in a way, which is like, it, it it does come down to individuals or groups with like different interests, but the end result kind of might be the same, like could be the same of, as what we're describing. But I, th- I think, I don't know I tend to check out when I hear like you know this like you know there's this man who's like you know controlling the thing I
3: honestly I'm right there with you man but like the idea of like elites collaborating and like figuring things out it does sound super conspiratorial and it was something that it's taken me a long time to like start to accept internally because it's it feels so outlandish it always feels like all right these are the guys on reddit and they're just like saying something like those are not the people i want to be listening to but then you just think about it you just like go through history a little bit you start to think about like the Berlin conference of 1882, I think it was, where the leaders of European powers literally sat down around a table and said like, all right, you get that part of Africa, you get that part of Africa. And they like, so they wouldn't end up killing each other over it. They just said like, all right, you, you go do this. And uh, with a pen and paper, just like carved up a continent. You start to think about things like uh, the army plot of 19, um, what year? Uh, 37, I want to say, where literally while FDR was putting out New Deal programs, like a list, some, I could go down the list of people who were at this meeting, people like J.B. Morgan, people like the owner of, uh, um, I think it was John D. Rockefeller or one of his descendants who were there, like a list of some of the captains of industry in America. And they saw like FDR's basic New Deal programs to keep people from dying as like the first step on the way to socialism. So you know what they did? They said like, all right, we're gonna get a plan together we have like a bunch of people who still haven't gotten their benefits from world war 1 and we're going to get we're going to enlist a dude from the army and we're just going to fund and arm a lot of these people they're going to take over washington dc they're going to get fdr out of there and we're going to impose a fascist dictatorship on america that was their plan so I don't know when a group of people with a purpose get together some plan is going to come together like if you have a common purpose and you recognize that you have a common purpose keeping this money going you can you can kind of figure some stuff out and it's it's outlandish but then at the same time we're talking about epstein island right where a bunch of the richest most influential people literally got together and were just hanging out on an island uh, some conversations are definitely going on in between the flagrancy that we all know was going on over there. Like, I still have to watch that documentary because it has been on my Netflix Q and it is like just teasing me at this
0: point. But, bro, well, we made it through like two episodes, and then I, I don't know. I don't know. How you felt Jenny, but I was just like, I think we both just felt like so sick to our stomachs. It was just like, mm. ew, like I don't, I can't keep watching this. Like, it's just like so. It's like it's so. Gross, like that that actually exists in the world.
1: Um, so I actually just finished *The People's History of the United States today. And like the idea of <laughs> a whole bunch of industry heads and business owners coming together to have a conversation on government and like how, how things are run platforms that are acceptable like that's like you said that's that's absolutely happening and i was trying to look up um there's one committee or something that came together with jimmy carter's pred- presidency and basically just like you said like it it's a whole bunch of industry heads like mega rich people that came together including, I think, including Jimmy Carter, but basically they have a say on how our governments ran. And like, to the point where the two-party system, I'm gonna get controversial, I guess, but the two-party system isn't for us. Like it, it's To me, it's an illusion just to present two options to still get stuff done that is in the interest of these corporations, but not in our individual interest. Because, like, in the book he was saying that like universal healthcare is something that's been wanted for the past 40 years. And then like welfare is popular within the citizens of the United States, but still we don't have it. And like we've had both parties in the presidency and we still don't see any of this, right? So it's like who who are these who are these parties for? Cause it's not for us. That that was my biggest takeaway.
3: Yeah that book that book just frames it in like the perfect way. Like Kudos to you on finishing it. I can make it to like 1960 something, and then, then I gotta like give up. It's just it's too long. I got, it, but I got, no. I'm gonna finish it. I'm gonna finish it soon. I know. But um, I got,
1: I got the audiobook and I oh,
3: highly recommend it. Okay, solid. I might have to go for that because that book is intimidating. <laughs> but yeah, it's completely right. Like looking at it from a class-based perspective, you start to see like. This has been a game from the beginning, like I, one of the most gl- one of the most glaring things I got from the book was just like right at the very foundation of the country um, rich landowners they were bringing over they were bringing out slaves and indentured servants from Scotland, and then the indentured servants started getting free, but they still felt like. I mean, I'm not with you guys. You guys oppressed me for like five years. You beat me up. You yelled at me. You took you, you took my money. I'm i I'm a, with these, these people that I've worked with and built rapport with. And then the rich landowner started to look at this like, this is problematic. This is not going to work well. Um, so it's just like you start to say like, I mean, yeah, you're you're poor, but hey, you know, you you get freedom. You're you're white. You know, we can make something happen here. And here we are, 2020 still dealing with the same issues, with the same problems, with the same game being run to the same effect. And it's just, its all, all of this goes in a pattern. It's all its all a great pattern. So when, how do you disrupt that pattern? You disrupt that pattern by not like getting caught up in like the basic stuff, like like just looking at this list, <laughs> you're like Kanye running for president. The amount of psychic energy that went to Kanye running for president that goes into our cancel culture, that goes into all of it. its It's just insane. On the one hand, you kind of got to look at like the people who are up in whatever lofty towers, just like screw you guys. But what, well, well played. You you kind of you kind of figure this out in a pretty interesting way. <laughs> like you you've been running stuff for a little while. It's it's crazy to just think of the scale of it. But
2: it is a a plot that you've like we've all been able to see, like you were just saying, like from the beginning it was built. So to this point, how is, how could it be different?
3: Hmm. How to be, honestly, if you want different results, you gotta do, you gotta have different people. Honestly, like nothing changes if nothing changes. Um, And it's, it's abundantly clear that some people are satisfied with the status quo of how things are. And some people are not, I think, A big part, I was actually talking about this with a friend of mine uh, a couple of days ago, like racism just as a concept. And you start to think about it like, really? In 2020? It's so passe. That's so 20th century. Come on now. Upgrade. But you start to think like, if you don't have anything else, like you're living in the middle of Backwoods County, Appalachia, you just you got all of 3 teeth left like you you're not doing well like life is not it's not going the best um, you start to think like honestly what else do i have to lose the only thing i have left is skin so i will i will get into like a very very deep relation with with just my skin color with the state of my culture and that's where you get trump that's where you get like a lot of this where you get the most self-destructive choices, but they give like that emotional, they give emotional support. So, and that's enough when you don't have anything. And then on the other side, you start to look just a little, you start to look at the situation of black people within the country. Like as soon as a little bit of wealth starts to get built up, it gets taken down, it gets thrown away, it gets just on a societal level, black people, up until recently, we're not given the opportunity to like build up any like real stock of anything. So, and then on top of that, you take, you put on the fact that when black people came here, stripped of identity, stripped of like the things that made them who they were as individuals and just put into this hodgepodge of just black, black identity, you start to think like, all right, if I don't have anything else, it's like the same kind of mental gymnastics. If you're gonna take everything else, the least thing you can't take from me is this skin color. So you build up this affinity, you build up this affinity for your skin color, you build up for, you build up a sense of pride in that because that's the only pride that can't be taken away necessarily. And any threat that you see to the solvency of this identity, the solvency of this culture, it becomes a threat to like the very, very last thing that you have left. So, of course, you're going to defend it. Of course, you're going to get caught up in, like, the minutiae of everything. And you, then you stop fighting about, about the big picture things. You stop fighting about the facts that you live in the backwoods of Appalachia. I'm living in um, the worst parts of my city. Like, neither of us are getting access to quality education. Neither of us are getting uh, the opportunity to build up generational wealth. Both of us have been suffering for generations. Something has to change, clearly. And when you start focusing on, like, that larger scale issue, it becomes... It becomes like a much more national movement but we get caught up because just because of how we've been conditioned and how society has promoted that this is all we have left that's what you're going to fight for
0: bro that's why I don't see color to me everybody's Mexican just for that I got to take a while. You
3: all
1: of
0: you and we don't give fuck about none. We just want to have fun. We don't want to fuck up
3: none. none. We don't want to fuck up that fun. We don't want to fuck up none and we don't give a fuck about none. We just, just want to have fun. fun. Yeah, hey, I'm so
0: nerfy. my lords. Go viral for me, Rice Lord. I, I don't know how much of the media you need I to like know, follow right all the time. Like, like it is it's important to know all those different things that are going on like, every single, do I need to know exactly how many people are, like, died, in, like, how many cases of COVID there are in Florida right now? Um, like, I think it is good to, I think it is good to understand, you know, that, you know, we're in the middle of a crisis, and that certain states are, you know, it's going down, and other states it's going up, but I don't know, I think there's a point in which, like, you know, you just talk to, like, some news junkie, and they'll, like, get really in the weeds, and it's just, like, bro, shut the fuck up. Like, you're just like, you're just trying to flex that you like read a bunch. And I don't don't know, but like, just because the thing is is, like, just amassing all that. I don't even know if it's knowledge, just like learning all those facts and knowing Mm -hmm. all those numbers, it doesn't necessarily, you know, mean that you have any sort of understanding. And I think you need to take some time where you're just like not reading anything. You're not listening to anything. You're just like sitting there doing nothing, you know, and you're just like thinking about like, what the hell does that mean? So I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's always good to be like, reading the news all the time. I have no idea.
3: I think not. Honestly, like people are meant to function at a local level. That becomes abundantly clear with time. Like,
2: yeah.
3: yeah. We don't have any conceptualization of three. How many people are in the US? Like 338 million How are you going to conceptualize three hundred thirty-eight million people? Like, I like I like
0: that. I like how you're going to go for like the round number, and then you're just like three hundred thirty-eight point seven two four million. I am nothing if not exact, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's just it's
3: strange. You get caught up in you just get caught up in a lot of stuff that you can't control, and that gets kind of demoralizing after a little bit. And that's when you start getting like really really extreme reactions to stuff that's when you start feeling like all right if i can't do anything at a national level then i'm just gonna have to make the biggest impact i possibly can with the like most extreme rhetoric with the most extreme like twitter worthy headlines to just to cut through all of the noise i, th- I, think, but, so I think so at we we're a
0: local level which is like this chill you know people people know you and you can just talk i think we were talking about like you know this like mm, person like you know controlling the narrative well, i think that's like a way in which I could see that actually, you know, being a reality. Because yeah, so so much of like how we can actually change what affects us would just be go- going to like your like you know, talking to like your local assembly person and just, you know, talking what's going on in like your neighborhood, what's going on in your district. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think the uh the political parties have like a vested interest in nationalizing uh politics and because i think it gives them more power and i think the media kind of plays into that because i don't know i i think it's interesting it's exciting to see like these things going on like this grand scale like what is the supreme court going to say you know about like you know uh, you know access to trump's financial records like it's really exciting the idea of like impeaching the president or getting to see, you know, like what he was act- like, you know, seeing the numbers. But I, 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 and so, and so that's why the media wants to get those eyeballs on that. But then mm-hmm. is it actually like telling us all that much that's actually gonna affect us? I don't know, there's, I don't know, I don't know about that. Isn't,
1: I guess my question is like, well, not my question. But I think that is the establishment, right? Like the government and the media. So, like, they, i feel like they're working in concert.
0: I, well, I don't. I don't think they're working in concert. I don't think like the like you know Pelosi and like the reporters. I don't know. I mean, they are shaking hands, probably.
1: Um, Maybe not like not like that intimately. But like, the industries work together. Mm.
0: They they both benefit from the same things, right? And so that kind of fucks over the the public. Us, yeah. yeah. <laughs> By like simplifying things and sensationalizing things, and yeah, and and it, it it takes away you know our attention from just like what's going on right here, right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. you okay. I mean do a
3: conspiracy theorist now <laughs> i 'm sure there are many conspiracies within, within journalism which is because i 'm thinking like if you're walk if you 're working in Washington for like twenty plus years and you end up being like the desk chief of um, the Washington Post or the New York Times or some other big newspaper you 're going to build up rapport with some of the people who are here like well, the, there 's a very big thing about the Washington establishment their inception because they just stay forever like. The average age of Congress is what, like seventy
0: something? Then you put yeah, all and the, these, all people, these people these people get Congress. in young and exactly, yeah, and they like just, like, and, like you get in in your twenties and thirties, and yeah, and you just there, and like they all know each other, yeah. and like they have dinner together, and like yeah, it's it's kind yeah. No, so yeah. the journalists
3: just like, they build rapport. You start to figure out like, I kind of like this guy. He helped me out like 15 years ago with the big story that like helped move me forward. So maybe you start to feel like, I don't want to report on my friend too badly, or I don't want to protect this relationship. And then it all just gets incestual. It all just like, you start losing the point of journalism, and you get caught up in protecting connections. Uh, I
2: forgot, I think it was Time where they wanted to have this um, story put out about Jeffrey Epstein. And I think like, I don't know if he was like the editor in chief or something, but he completely just like knocked the whole thing down. He was like, that's not happening.
0: Yeah, that was Um, so fucking creepy. So it was- And it was because
2: they were friends. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it was so creepy. Like the reporter, like she just wanted to know, oh, there's this like, I, I guess he's a billionaire. And, you know, he seems like he's this like socialite and, uh, you know, you see him at all the parties, but like nobody knows actually where he got his money from.
2: Which is crazy to me because like anyone else, they would get IRS in their ass and be like, (laughs) what the fuck are you doing with all this money? Mm -hmm. How are you getting this? And he was just like, everyone was okay with not knowing how he attained
0: all this money. So she did so she went some dig did some digging on him, and she ended up finding you know hearing these rumors about him, and then she wanted to publish them and then when she took it like yeah and then the editor basically just like killed all the parts of it that were kind of that were you know investigations into anything scandalous he was doing, and it just ended up being this piece about this guy who you know is just like really charming and charismatic and da-da-da-da-da. and it was just like what like that's where it gets really fucking creepy and yeah it's like really incestual and it's just like fuck like even that's that's why people don't trust the media
3: that is exactly why like as you say that it's so easy for me to just imagine like one of those scenes from that those old school crime movies where you know the the young rookie cop comes walking into the um walking into the chief's office like boss i just found this like this massive bust and then like the police chief's like writing something. It's just like, son, why don't you take a seat? Let's have a talk really quick. Let's figure this out. It's just, it's exactly like that. Like when you're entrenched in power, you want to protect that power. And with the Epstein case, it gets that much more flagrant because then there's, I was listening to this other podcast recently, Flavored 2 by Andrew Schultz, Uh, highly highly, um, controversial takes. They're comedians. So they're just like, everything they say is going to be like, just ridiculous to a point,
0: but they actually come with so a pretty good. good point sometimes. He's like a yeah. comedian's comedian. He just like at, at this point he hold he doesn't hold back the way like so many like mainstream comedians sure. are doing now. Cause he's just on YouTube. Like he's not accountable to anybody. Yeah, he doesn't so he'll care just about say it. like whatever. <laughs> and it's like and it's so that's why he like that's why people love him. Cause mm-hmm. 'Cause he'll just say it and it's like this is what everybody was thinking. Exactly. And he actually comes with some really good takes some
3: of the time. And one of the takes he came with, in terms of the Epstein case, you start to think like, all right, these elite people, they're coming together, they're hanging out on this island. And then you get into the, the fact that they were partying with a lot of underage girls. And of course, like with drugs, drinking, with everything that's going on, you might not realize in the moment that the girl you're hanging out with is 17. But then you start to, but then the next day, someone comes up to you, taps you on the shoulder like, hey, you know what's going on yesterday? You know, we have it on video, we've got some photographs. You don't want stuff like this to come out. So, you know, just do what we tell you. Help us out when we need you to help you out. We'll help you out when you we, when uh, you need to be helped out. But And we'll all just like be a, above board. We'll all just uh, be a big, happy family who can destroy each other at any moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, see, this is the part where their conversation is just like, oh God, this is, I just feel like, mm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I also I remember watching it and thinking that like the way the operation was working was just completely like perfectly thought out. Um like with the way that they were able to get all these cuz like some of them were 17, but a lot of them were also like 14 and 13 and like a lot younger. And Like, I remember one of the reporters was saying that, like, the way he was able to, like, capture these girls and get the girls to capture other girls. Mm. At that point, he had no real responsibility of what was going on. So it was almost like dirty work was being passed down, you know, so that, like, people that got to spend time on that island, like... All they have to do is sit back and receive whatever was going on.
3: You so, can never tie it to the boss. The boss has, like, so mm-hmm. many. It's like the mafia. Like, no <laughs> one's ever going to take down the Don. You got, like, street exactly. soldiers for that, but no one's going to say anything about, like, the actual person in
0: charge. It's so crazy. Oh, my God. I was just watching, uh, I think it was Now You See It, um, but it was about why Dave Chappelle walked, around, walked away from, like, that 50 mil. I guess it was, like, in 2004, something like that. Mm -hmm. and it was like the third season of like the Chappelle show and he was just like nope I'm out and I don't remember which special he was talking about but basically he like he wants to talk about like he went on Oprah and (laughs) he goes on Oprah and he's trying to describe it and Oprah is just like so like like I have no idea what you're talking about. And I don't know, everybody like this is like my impression everybody in the comments was saying the same that like she totally knows exactly what he's talking about. And then when he came like like recently well, like one of his recent specials um he doesn't say it up front but he describes it with this uh like with this book which is about this pimp and mm, like Iceberg Slim Yeah, Iceberg Slim. And he's talking about like his bottom bitch, which is like his like his like main prostitute, who helps him like coordinate and control like the other prostitutes. And she kind of is like, No, I don't want to do this anymore. And he manipulates her by beating her or, or, or no, he like he makes her think that she killed somebody and then that he saved her from like getting in trouble from that. And so she was just about to back out, and then he gets her to do work for him even longer. And he was kind of using that as a way to describe, without saying it like straight up, what Hollywood does, how they were trying to put pressure on him, get him to take medication, saying that he was like losing his mind, like feeding stories to the media, that you know he was like breaking down. They were trying to manipulate him just to like. Use him as a sponge to just get more and more money out of him. Cause like now they have a vested interest. In, now he's just a money maker for them at that point.
3: Oh god. <laughs> With that, so- I can just imagine like Oprah in the back of her mind thinking like, Negro, we just got this money. Relax. Don't blow foot <laughs> up. We just started. Like, no, stop it. I just got this billion. But yes. Yeah, like once you get up to those once you get up to that level, like you have to decide. Or maybe it's even a decision that's made for you. Like, are yeah. you part of this club or are you not? It seems and if you're like not. Chappelle. Oh,
0: no. no, 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 no! Please don't be a part of the club. That's the best. Like <laughs> Dave Chappelle is like the best. Where like he like he says "fuck you" to the man, and then he goes away, and then he comes back, and he fucking kills. Like that's like the like that's the story we all want to hear. Mm-hmm. We can say "f you" to the man and still come out on top.
1: Mm-hmm. I I don't know. To me. <laughs> I guess I can kind of see Oprah not knowing. I guess because to me, to me, I don't think Oprah at the top like that. Mm. I really don't.
3: Yeah, Oprah is new money compared to these people. Right.
1: Just exactly.
3: Kind of... It's levels to the billionaires, man. Like, right. Who knows how high up this all actually goes into like, right. government, into our culture, like. Oprah like, just showed up
1: right like I'm uh what's her name the girl that's in girl with the dragon tattoo Mara something like that uh, but like Rooney Mara yes her family is old money mm. like they have money money <laughs> so I think of like her family I don't know. I'm just thinking like what we see and who we associate as like the big billionaires or like the big top people, they're probably at like the top of our level. Mm -hmm. Like they're not even in the boss level.
0: There's there's like a hierarchy to it, like Like, like, even within the billionaires.
3: Right. I really think I saw the, the Rothschild family. Now we're getting real you know, conspiratorial. Right. And when, <laughs> well, well, and whenever these come up, it's just like, oh, man, this is how you turn off. But I actually <laughs> went to their Wikipedia page, so I'm an expert now. <laughs> we're going to the But top no, dog? seriously. In like 11, some, in like they've been moneyed since like, since like the 13th century. So what they do, like the patriarch of the whole family, he looked up and said like, all right, what are we going to do? I'm gonna have five, he had five sons. He sent all five of these sons to like the major European banking capitals. He sent one to London, one to Frankfurt, one to Paris, one to Milan, and one to, uh, I don't know, let's say Madrid. I I don't think that was what it was, but whatever. And then each of them, just like helping each other out, figuring things out, uh, they started to rise in the banking cultures of each of these respective capitals. And at the same time, they're all sharing information with each other, they're all sharing tips with each other. And it got to the point where by within like the next few centuries, they, were, they had so much money, they were floating royalty loans. Like the, the royal people had to come to them and say like, hey, you know, can you help us out or something? And then you could just give a pittance. And then today, in 2020, these, this family still has major banks in throughout Europe and throughout the world. Like this is a generational story we're telling. Like these are things that are going back centuries and centuries and centuries. It doesn't just come out of anywhere. So when you're like Jay-Z and you got title, I mean, that's cool, but I don't, I'm not sure if they've been invited into that party. And do you want to be in that? Because who knows what you have to do to hold on to that position.
0: I, don't know. I really hope that more people like like journalists also, like artists, creatives, like whoever, like they stay independent. Cause I think it was Bill Burr on his, like. Him and Burt Kreischer on their podcast, they were talking about how blood sucking the industry can be. Mm. And like these up-and-coming comedians, these media companies or whoever will just offer them contracts and they'll just like like they'll try and like they'll try and like, I don't know, what they tried to do to Dave Chappelle. Mm. Um, And then you're just screwed for possibly like your whole career. Like they just like, you don't have creative control. Everything that you own, you know, you know, is theirs. Everything that you create, they own. Hmm. I don't know. I I really hope that more people choose to to, to go independent. Like, because now there's, I don't know. I think with social media, there's so many more outlets to, you're not beholden. Sorry, Anya is running for president.
3: There's more important stuff to cover than elite conspiracies going on.
2: So is that?
3: That's not a joke. Yo, I, he, he released a song the next day, so I feel like wait, wait, a he's probably song? not gonna what? follow through. Yeah, he released a song. It's just publicity. It's all just publicity. But he did release a platform that was apparently let me look at this. I I know for a fact he's
0: anti-vaccination, so that was a cool start. (laughs) Anti-vax, anti-abortion. Like, yo, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of him. He's, like, annoying.
3: But he's making his money, and people will focus in on that. Like, literally, the next day, he had a song with uh, Travis Scott, uh, Skrillex, and some other person. And it was fire. I can't lie; it was actually pretty good song. But still, you don't need that kind of publicity. That's not when you're Kanye. Not when you Wait, got I gotta listen to shit. some of what he has in his catalog. And it's unfortunate. That's what people get attracted to. We get attracted to the stuff like Kanye. We get attracted to stuff like canceling someone, which is its own like ridiculous conversation in and of itself. Just like all of the all of the trashy stuff. It's like easier to focus in on that. Because the big stuff is just so scary.
1: That's interesting, because okay, I'm I'm probably gonna be referencing a people a people's history for the rest of my life because I.
3: It's one of those books.
1: Right. (laughs) I feel like where's my diploma? (laughs) So, again, he mentions like the repeal of an act that like balanced information on the radio and TV. So like, I guess back in the eighties, you heard differing opinions on different topics. But once this act got repealed, the floodgates of trashy TV and completely one-sided commentary flooded the, the media. Right, so like, I, don't know if we're attracted to all this stuff or if it's just being pumped out to us to again, to just like keep us distracted.
3: Mm. Yeah, that's a chicken and the egg. Right. Right. Like, You start to think about it like, I don't watch a lot of daytime television, like like an embarrassing amount of daytime television. And I sit here, I'm watching Maury I'm watching Jerry Springer. I'm watching all of my judge shows. And I just look at this, like, you, you start to feel like your mind starts to just, like, close in on itself. It just melts. It just, just melts. Like, Cheaters is the worst one. Don't start watching Cheaters if you haven't. Because it's, like, that's literally crack in entertainment form. It's, just, like, the worst thing. <laughs> but you start to see, like, who who are they making it for? They're making it for probably a lot of people who are, in a similar situation for him, in, like me, right now, right? Like, no job, nothing, nothing really to do right now. Except, thankfully, I'm like in a position where I'm hopefully working towards something. But for a lot of people, this is just, this is just what you do. And if I think you it's people with the like the lowest common denominator in, in, in entertainment like this. It's easy to say, like, eh, it's easy to just like let your mind kind of pass you by and just be pacified like that. It's,
0: it's junk food like we like no because the thing is is like we do enjoy consuming it Mm -hmm. but the thing is is also we know at the same time we're eating this this like "Mm, i know this isn't Mm -hmm. good for me this is really good like these fries Mm -hmm. are like fucking these are fire but i know like when i'm done with this i'm gonna feel like shit Mm -hmm. and like you can have you can totally have some like in moderation you can Mm -hmm. have like a cheeseburger like you know Ever so often, but like if you have it at like every meal, if like that's yeah. all you're watching is that like the bullshit, you know, whatever TV that you're watching, yeah, they do have an interest in like pumping it out because, you know, all those individual producers, directors, media companies, they want to sell you that because that's how they make their money. Mm-hmm. And I think we do have a responsibility to that, like, like with that like junk food analogy. Like we can say no to that, Yeah, but but there is so much pressure from advertising and to sell us that. And you know, and sometimes it's not like readily available. Like, and I think that's the same thing with like, I don't know, probably a lot of media. It's like so much easier to, you know, turn on to something that's just like light entertainment. That's not even information, like uh, educational,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: informative anyway but maybe it tries to present itself as such, you know, like when Mickey D's like has a salad, whatever they do. But um, yeah, it it can be hard to access, you know, uh, you know, really high quality media. And I think there's a problem on those, you know, media companies like the New York Times, like you have to pay for a subscription. And like, just like the language, just even for me, it's just like, it's heavy. It's, It's like, I don't know. It's, 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 um, a lot of it, it's like very high level reading. And it's just not something that you want to consume when mm-hmm. you could just be like scrolling through Instagram.
3: It's so much easier. It's so much easier to just like scroll through Instagram. And that's like, at an intellectual level, like people love that. It's like, it's light, it's colors, it's, people being ratchet it's beautiful women it's just like there's so much stuff that you can just get stupid it's just stupid how easily it takes your attention but you can just be focusing on this and just be like okay in the short run in the long run it just starts you start to rot and you start to fall apart because it is junk
0: food but yeah we're just like intellectually obese
3: intellectually obese that's that's a phrase that's a bar for sure Good job, man. Or
0: it's just like, or like mal malnutrition, oh, malnutrition, whatever the hell you call it. Go yeah. no, for intellectually obese; it, it rolls off the tongue pretty well. <laughs> well, no, obese. I, I don't know. That just makes me seem like you have that much, like, like information and intellectual knowledge. Day, you definitely took a lot in, huh.
3: but did it? Did it nourish you in any way? Okay. You yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think. You gotta you're be on the higher time. level. Open okay. your third eye. <laughs> so with all of with all of that I guess now I look at this and it's like all the stuff that's easy to pay attention to like the, our cancel culture talks or sexism talks they how much of sexism comes uh, it comes into like that category of like the the intellectual junk Right? Like how much of it is like, it's like in your face and it's easy to consume. So it's, so you focus in on it versus how much of it is like the deep systemic part of things, uh, part of society that's like legitimate, that is, um, how do I say this? How do I, how do I want to say it? That is like, that has been perpetuated as a way to like keep things, um, from, like being a unified front against like the people who are controlling things at the upper level and like the same thing with like a lot of isms like a lot of our thoughts about racism a lot about, of our thoughts about just like inter struggle like how much of that is being promoted as just one more string that's pulling puppets around
1: I feel like I need a more narrow focus because I feel like you said
3: a lot I, I'm long winded, excuse me. All right, let me see. Let me try this one no, more
0: time. <laughs> He's always doing no, the most, saying the most.
3: Sadie, it's all good. I, I recognize it. It's a character fault. I recognize it, but I make no efforts no, to change, it so it's okay. You can call. <laughs> no, it
1: happens. It happens.
3: Well, I'm calling. Yeah. So, with sexism specifically, um, how much how much does it, does it like feed, how does it play into like the same idea of like societal division that's like being perpetuated from above? Or is it something that's like actually deeply ingrained within people? Like it's like a, it's a psychological intellectual or a psychological internal thing that it's not even being pushed, it's just like something that it just comes out of the wild past that we had, if you kind of see what I'm saying.
1: So like a nature versus A nature
3: versus society. Clarity. That's what we need. Thank you.
1: Yes. (laughs) No, that's good. I feel like I think this is just me and my worldview possibly, but I think it's almost entirely nurture or like society. Like I don't I don't think sexism is inherent to people. Like I say that because like, I can't imagine that in all of our time of human history, like we saw each other as like male versus female. Like, like, mm. so there's no other, option right like to me that just that would blow my mind that that sounds really small so I think it's completely society
0: and I, I, I guess I don't I don't get that because like are you saying there's no so just sexism not necessarily like gender roles because I could totally see a way in which like gender roles were like evolved
1: right yeah
2: I still think that's um like when you were saying like it's mostly all nurture you think I believe the same but I also think that that somehow involves nature because you were saying like you know these gender roles came about for a reason you know people had to have certain roles so that they could work together and things could be better but I also think that with time and that changing it's kind of almost been ingrained because it was now like this norm
1: Mm. so not
2: to say that we were like born into this but it's definitely been reinforced because it's helped so much so now it's kind of like well what else could we do this has been working why isn't this working for
0: you this works I, i guess the kind of the way i'm kind of picturing it is like there are some maybe like differences between males and females and I guess that I don't know. Maybe that we call gender roles, and then someone wants to use that. Maybe the way they would use religion, and you turn it into like a cudgel to like you know to ha- to just a-, a way to have power.
3: Mm.
0: It like it became it was like a thing that we all had like you know had some you know somebody we prayed to or something we believed in, and then some people were like, no, what? Actually, we can use this basically as like a weapon you know, to, like, have more power. And I think, you know, I could totally see, I guess, like, men doing that, you know, you know, using that, those, 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 uh, gender dynamics to, to try and take more power and, like, to, to maintain it. And yeah, they, and, and yeah, I guess men have a vested interest in not giving up that power.
2: I think, um, when we talk about power i wonder how much of that came from physical power because when we see like what that means in terms of like a relationship between like a heterosexual couple so like a man goes out to hunt right like if we're going to talk about like maybe the beginning of maybe where these roles came from and you could say that a woman is weaker because she can't do that or that she has another responsibility to like bear children um but i think about how that when when we when we start you know being able to farm and when those things when those roles aren't so necessary um where that power starts um like manifesting i'm like I guess that's kind of like a question that I have. Like, what do you mean by?
0: Um, yeah, do does by that power? I don't know. I guess I was just kind of imagining that, like, you know, we had these gender roles as like hunter gatherers, and then somewhere along the way, like to modern society, men just kind of carried that power over. I guess I, I don't know. I don't really know how that, like, how is picturing that working?
1: Yeah. Like again, I'm going to reference people's history where he was talking about the um, Europeans coming over to the different islands Mm. and they're being shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So he's talking about like the Europeans came over to the islands and they noticed how well women were being treated. Like to the point where like it just blew their minds. Like women could have different partners and they could leave them they could have abortions, like it, it wasn't, it was normal, right? So like, to hear that that was happening and was normal 600 years ago, makes me think that power, I guess like what you're saying, Jenny, and like our roles and the concept of male and female, like I think that's all society
3: Yeah, as as I'm hearing all of this, it's kind of like, it's kind of like coming out to me right now, how like, sus- how ancient this division is. As I think about it, this like, might be like the first societal division like you really see, like between men and women generally. And then of course things like racism and religious differences come along later, but really like this is the most immediate in your face thing Um, and I think a big part of that, the scene that you're describing comes exactly back to what you were saying, Jenny, about like the rise of agriculture and like how, what that does in just like a society in general. At the end of the day, all of this comes down to, if not physical power, then, um, accumulated power and like accumulation of resources. And if I'm a man and I can go out and like actually work in the field and do stuff and just like. If I don't everyone dies then that like that accrues a lot of societal privilege to you in a in a strange way, so and then you like cut people out of cut uh cut women out of that economic narrative in a big way so it's it's just something that's been carried on throughout the ages, so if we're in a moment here where we don't need to be doing stuff like that, I don't know how long I would last on like a serious farm I don't think it would go well <laughs> I don't know like what it really matters today. I think that, I think that's where we see like a lot of, a lot of this like promoted uh, host, a lot of hostility from some corners of the internet towards men and towards women. It's just like, no one really knows like what they are needed for. anymore like for the longest time society like ascribed to you purpose like all right you do this you farm you go off to war you raise kids but now it's just like do 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 whatever and you know you just you don't know, figure your stuff out and don't hurt anybody and when you're just left with that and like kind of the void you start like the void it just builds up like a lot of existential angst and then it just you just start lashing out all over the place it's
1: interesting because, like, what is that void, I guess? Because, like, because I think capitalism makes it so your worth is your
3: ability, right? I think that might be just like a general, eh, is it a general human thing? Like, there's always been like that idea of like a, um, uh, 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 triumph, yeah, like the the idea of triumph, the idea of it goes back to all the way back to like Greek mythology. We talk about people like Hercules. We talk about people like Achilles because you know they were able to do these great things. And it seems like right. capitalism has a lot of that same mentality about it. All right, you did great right. things, so you're a great person. Da da da. Like that right. might be like a a human thing more than a capitalist. No,
1: but thing. because this is what I'm saying. Because like I think we're referencing Europeans and European history, we're not talking about Native history. Like, I feel like all, all our base is European and like American history. I'm saying like, out of all the communities on Earth, male, female, like, it looks similar to what we know now. That mm-hmm. blows my mind.
3: Yeah, it, it definitely does not. It definitely it definitely is like a product of just how I've been raised and how, yeah, just what we've inherited historically living in this country.
2: Yeah. When we think about like, um, sometimes people will mention like there are societies where people like there's a matriarch. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And when you think about it, um, people don't really consider those societies or groups of people to be civilized it's, there's like distinction. It's like, well, how's their technology? How is their government? Like all these things that um, we hold. Did they violent.
0: have Coca-Cola? No, they did not. If they do not,
3: like that's a <laughs> sign right there. Then something's not going right.
2: So it's, it's almost like these definitions of words, how they could just be spread out so thin and I don't know to me like when we think about maybe sexism today right where you were saying Dom, like people don't feel like they have a role and I think that where that separation is is like people thinking like if we're equal what does that say about me you know like
3: you have to focus more on who you are instead of what you are and that's a much harder question to answer.
2: <laughs> yes. It. I don't know I think it. It creates this divide so that people think that, like, women think that they don't need a man, or men are like, I don't need a woman, like, what? It's scary, because people don't have to be alone, you know, like, they don't have to go through, like, me and Sadie were talking about, like, people not being comfortable with asking for help, and how much community counts, especially now.
0: They're talking about me. Huh? Was that
2: talking
0: about me? No, it's not all about you. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes it
3: is. Um I think sorry, go ahead. I was just thinking aloud, how does how does that change? Like how do you start how do you like look to someone and say like you, you don't have to be alone, you don't have to like fit into this. You can just you can just be a
1: person. Be. <laughs> right, right, I think it goes back to like, worth, right, like it, it feels like people don't have worth inherently.
0: Mm. Mm. We don't have like an inherent worth, like aside right. from what we are able to produce or man, like exactly. create or do.
1: exactly. It's not like, oh, you're here, so you're worthy.
0: Yeah, I guess this and idea like, that, like, unless oh, you're, like, working, like, you deserve to be on the street, unless you're, like, you know, like, like, you don't deserve, like, that's, or that's, the yeah, that's the take that plenty of people have that, yay. Yeah, you don't deserve anything.
3: build up worth in people and a lot of this goes, goes away hopefully.
2: I have this like <laughs> okay I know you're talking about me <laughs> so when I think about worthiness right um, a lot of times <clears throat> I kind of focus on like the negative so like thinking that people aren't worthy of being victims to certain things um, to, to many things. Um, which is why the word worthy to me can feel so like heavy because I'm like, well, we could say someone's not worthy of being killed. And in the same way, someone could take that as like, well, you're not worthy of living either. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I think about worthiness, I'm not trying to say that someone's not worthy of something that they can enjoy and um, grow from. When I think about worthiness, I'm like, no, no one is worthy of, like no one should be like expected to die for someone else. And do you know what I mean? Am I like talking in circles?
0: (laughs) What, what What would you guys say about like the idea that we're all worthy of love? I believe that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Actually, you have to be like a five and above.
3: <laughs> In what scale are we no. using? That? No. I'm a- i'm thinking about like there there's a low barrier to entry like the barrier to entry of love in my conception it's like super duper, duper duper love like so low as it's as if it's almost not there even stocky <laughs> get in but to be worthy of i'm conflicted i'm a conflicted on it to be honest because on the one hand it's like you are a human in every facet of your being and different parts of yourself could generally could like definitely be worthy of that but then it's like if you're so like fear and division and like just violence and destruction at a certain point like when does that overwhelm the other human parts of you you know like when are what do you get the when you when, when exactly is the point where you could say like he killed he has killed people versus like he is a murderer. Like when the first one you're saying like, he- Is Hitler worthy of love? Exactly, like is he like just a murderer and you have to like have him like that? Or is he a person who did many, many horrible things, but also it's like in the whole totality of human being is
0: complicated in different parts of a certain level. I'm not, I wouldn't make that argument. Okay, we were talking about, you, you, you sent me this thing about Donald Trump and it was basically, I think it was like his niece and she, mm. yeah, she wrote this book about him, basically talking about, I, I actually read the book, Dom just sent it to me, the, the, he's described it. Do you, want, do you want to describe it, Dom? Uh, yeah,
3: I can. It's, it's basically, um, it's a look at the family life of Donald Trump, like back to his mom, his dad, and oh, growing up with his brothers, and what that does to his psychological profile now. And uh, the author, uh, Mary Trump, I believe her name is, she's a clinical psychologist. And she makes the point that uh, he lost his mom pretty early and his mom was like the most uh, stable uh, emotional support in his life. And when she died, like the overwhelming presence in his life was from his dad, who who himself was like extremely narcissistic, uh, extremely bullying, and like hypercritical and established like that kind of uh, mentality throughout his household. So over time, um, Trump and his brother and his sister like they kind of inert themselves to that mentality and that's like the the author made a point like, like that is a lot of where his current mentality comes from and
0: then you hear a story like that and you start to think like I don't know should should we love Trump should we like you know should you like what is it like love the love the sinner like hate the sin love, hate the, the, sinner. Sin,
3: love the sinner yeah, yeah.
0: like should, should we try and like extend that love to him and try and understand maybe like the context like i don't know
1: i think it, i think we're i think it depends on the definition of love and who because i mean like yeah i think everyone's worthy of love i don't know if i have to like am i obligated is it me or is it that like the individual can love themselves, right? And then also, I guess we're kind of creeping into like the cancel culture talk, right? Because, right, because <laughs> like, yeah, it's. true to me that everyone's worthy of love and then it's also true that people can do things that harm other people right like you were saying Dom like are they a murderer or have they killed people so like it could be the difference between like a doctor that's killed somebody
3: Mm -hmm.
1: or A murderer, I don't know. But (laughs) the point is like, I personally don't know how helpful cancel culture is with my understanding of love and acceptance of other people.
0: I I think we're talking about like, Loving people, or or, or like you know, people who are like you know in that gray area. One thing that's Mm. like I know I think very important contemporaneously is um, the founding fathers,
3: Mm. and
0: you know, yeah, George Washington. He did like a great thing when he stepped down from you know becoming like a monarch. He was like, yeah, know what the the presidents are going to have like a you know a, a set term limit, and he set that precedent. And I think most people agree that's a pretty good thing. Also, like, you know, do we see the founding fathers? You know, they were, you know, you know, had these all these great ideas, but they also had slaves, so they weren't like that. Like, I don't know, like, how do we think about them? How do we understand them? Um, I think there was this thing when they were taking down the the statues. I don't know who told it to me, but um, instead of tearing down the statue, they, it, it was like one of these, finding fathers, I don't remember who it was, but instead of tearing it down, what they did is they had another statue. I think it was like right next to it, right in front of it. And it was of slaves. And the idea was to contextualize it. Like, he's not just this great person. He was also this person who was like, awful. And I I, I don't know, understanding them like, yeah, maybe they did these good things, but also they did these awful things. And so you're understanding them more as like a whole person,
1: exactly. And I I don't think cancer, cancel, cancel culture,
3: cancer has culture, space,
1: yeah, has the space for complexity.
3: When you've got 140 characters or less, you can't really <laughs> a, it's like you. you got to get to the point.
0: Yeah, bro. I'm not going to read that whole three. That whole thread. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to read, like, three tweets in, and then I'm like, yeah, fuck this. Yep. I'm only going to retweet, like, two tops.
2: <laughs> I think when we think about, like, morality and stuff, like, it almost brings, like, more understanding, because, like, when we think about, like, differences between a man and a woman, right, we could see one of like, the parts of them that we don't like, or something as weaker, or whatever we would want to call it, um, but it is, like, part of a whole, because, like, this world isn't made up of just men, or just women, um, women, but, yeah, like, I think seeing it as, like, this dynamic thing, not, like, men are, you know, people that take advantage or people that want to have power, like, women also want power. Women also could do very not nurturing things.
1: Mm.
2: And I think, um, like, me and Sadie were talking about this, like, people like to paint a very, very simple image of what a man is and what a woman is, and they can't see anything that crosses between the two. Um, and I think that's what kind of like keeps pushing that same narrative of like what I've been seeing, I think what we've all been seeing recently is that like men are predators. Which like we could all agree that like that's not the case completely.
3: Yeah, yeah most and to complicate it more you can like look at a person like Ghislaine Maxwell and start to say like a lot of these women are predatory too. Like yes. a lot of it starts to get to like the point of perhaps you're not defined by your gender so much as who are you as a person? Are you a trash person like a Jeffrey, Enstein, uh, Jeffrey Epstein or a Glenn Maxwell? If you are, you're probably going to end up doing some messed up stuff like this. I don't know. I it's felt weird about that. To when like they were get caught up in the simple image of things. When um, they were talking
0: about like, like the, the women who also recruited other women
3: mm-hmm.
0: and like the idea that they were victims of Epstein but mm-hmm. also they were perpetrators because they were recruiting other women i don't know like i find it i find it really hard to extend my sympathy to them i was just like like yes i like yes you were like yes you were a victim but i don't know just like you still did that you still got those like other women like in the same situation like, I, I don't know. So, I can only extend my sympathy so far.
2: I think predators know who to prey on. Mm-hmm. And
0: Isn't that what when, they did, though? Those women?
2: That is what they did. But they were also in need.
1: Like, the power aspect.
2: And this, there was this man that could provide. And if you really want to get like nasty with it, like, the ones that were recruiting more women were quote-unquote like the strong ones that resisted having sex with him so when he noticed that they were able to say no he was like well you know what i'll give you the 300 if you bring me someone else so um... like mentally i could only imagine what that could do to someone it's like okay i was able to overcome this predator Like, he's actually respecting my boundaries right now. and That's some iceberg slim shit right there. What?
0: That's some, like, iceberg slim shit. Like, that's what, like, Dave was talking about. Just, like, breaking somebody and just, like, making, like, hurting them and actually by doing that, actually making them love you because you hurt them and then also provided, like, the solution to that hurt. Yeah.
1: So how much is it trauma (laughs) or, like, acting like trying to be functional in an abusive situation
0: well yeah totally he like they made the point in the documentary that he totally sought out people who had experienced some kind of trauma
2: so to me it's hard to say that she or or those women were in the same position as
0: jeffrey
1: right i'm because
0: not saying they're in they the same position this ring, you know I'm not saying they're in the same position. I'm not saying they're the same person. But, like...
2: They should still face consequences for what they did.
0: Yeah. Like, they shouldn't get off, like, scot-free.
1: Right. I mean, that's interesting. Because, like, if you're... brainwashed, how much agency do you have?
3: Mm. With the... (laughs) this is where we start getting into like so much murky ethical territory, or yeah ethical territory and then it starts to feel like how much this is an issue for like the legal system generally like figuring out how do you make law work on a societal level because everyone is coming into it with like sub-level of trauma sub-level of just like hurt that is like prompting why they go for their extreme reactions like this it's like always oh, you always have to pull up Hitler somewhere in a conversation like this like at the same time like he did all this stuff he was also in the trenches during world war one and he saw like all the people who had sacrificed so much and so many of his countrymen or whatever you know? and then you come home and just see like how much has been ruined and destroyed you start to feel like how did this happen and of course there's like that impulse to say like all right I'm going to sow fear and division in order to like promote myself and like move myself forward but then there's also that part there it's like it sticks with people as people who have been through trauma are capable of incredible good and incredible bad so do you blame the trauma or do you blame the person Or not even blame but how much do you ascribe to the person versus how much do you ascribe to the
0: trauma before before mal committed genocide and like you know the you know causing the, you know, his terrible leadership, causing like massive starvation. Like he was a war hero. Yeah, yeah. And saw a lot
3: of, and even before that, he was just like some random, if I remember right, he was a random peasant in the Chinese countryside, which was not an easy life. And then you go into the cities and you see like the wealth and the opulence that people are living with. You start to feel like, well, why not me? Why can't the people who I grew up with, why can't we live in the same kind of way? Why where? is our developing Where is our modernization, and then you end up with him doing horrible
0: things afterwards. But maybe something how more, much can you blame him? I don't know, maybe something more contemporary, like soldiers, like people mm-hmm. want, like, you know, somebody might see them, you know, as these, you know, they're just bringing, you know, they're going to the Middle East and just like murdering civilians. But a lot of these people, like they didn't come from like a life of privilege, they didn't have you know, life spoon fed to them and they come out traumatized. Like they were just as much like, you know, you know, damaged by what they did and by what the, you know, the government forced them to do, what the military forced them to do, you know, and now they're suffering from, you know, physical, you know, uh, uh, ailments and, and, uh, you know, they have PTSD and they have all the, all the, um, Emotional trauma, but also you have Can to I, like. Sorry, no, 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 go
1: I was saying that I think it's. I think we're looking at both the individual and how society affects the individual, right? Like, so we're trying to wrestle, like, well, how much is it? on the individual that they go and enlist in the military and fight in a war versus not having access to basic human needs so they wouldn't have to do that or that would even be an option or that like the country or wherever they live in doesn't even make that possible like Mm. I think we're doing both and like, and it's kind of hard not to, like it, that's part of the complexity of our human experience, I guess.
3: I was just having a thought along those similar lines, like thinking about what what do you do in the aftermath of a catastrophe, like an individual catastrophe? Like, of course you're gonna have you have to kind of look at like why people have like those intense reactions they do have and on the one hand it's like all right you as an individual you made these choices there are a lot of people who are coming from the same background that you're doing and they're, they're clearly not doing what you're doing so what what is it with you that made this happen but then as a society you kind of have to look back and say like what how could he how could he or she justify it in their mind, and even when you take that objective look at things, you start to realize like uh, there are a lot of parts of our society that are actually really messed up, and that are probably going to keep producing the same problem if we don't do anything about it. So, yeah, that's definitely right. You got to have like kind of like that nuanced view of ind- individual is someone shaped by society. You can punish the individual, but the society also has to be held to some account. But we don't have that kind of foresight, unfortunately. We we are just. We're intellectually obese, you know. We're
0: incapable of action. It's. I don't know. I remember reading. I th-
1: to be honest, but. I think oh. it was in the
0: Com- comic book mouse, the or Ma- mm-hmm. the the one about um, um the Holocaust. Yeah. And, I think it was that, or maybe I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it's that, but they were talking about Holocaust survivors. Like, do they get together with other Holocaust survivors and just like, you know, shoot the shit about like, you know, what they experienced? And maybe the, you know, you might have a wonder, same thing about like veterans. Do they just like shoot the shit about like, you know, what it was like being in the trenches? And the the, the survivor responded, the Holocaust survivor responded like, no, we don't want to do that because we don't want to have to relive and think about the things that we had to do in order to survive. Like we we had to do terrible things in order to like be one of the ones that made it. We don't want to have to like think about that anymore. Mm. And so like we like we do, you know, celebrate them as like, yes, you were a survivor and you're so brave for having been able to make it through that. But also maybe they don't see it the same way. They might think, yeah, like I had to like, you know, you know, I could have helped somebody, but if I had done that, you know, maybe they would have I would, they would have taken me too. So I just had to keep my mouth shut. And I just had to think about myself in order to survive.
1: I think that sounds like in community and out community, right? Like, I guess if I'm in the community of other people that have experienced trauma or like any, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like conversations are different with people that are within community versus reaching across outside communities, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know if necessarily all, you know, Holocaust survivors or all veterans feel the same, but there's a lot that, you right. know, they don't want to think about that.
1: But then, like, at the same time, like, if I'm with other vets, like, why would I talk about something that is kind of, like, air between us? Unless I just felt like pointing out the air.
0: I don't know. I just, uh, somebody recently passed in my family, and I was talking to my mom, and we didn't, we talked a bit about it. And then we moved on. Like, we wanted to keep it light. We don't mm-hmm. want to keep talking. To, you don't want to just, like, mm-hmm. keep mulling that over and just, like, mm-hmm. you know, just having that heavy weight on you. You just want to, like, okay, yeah. Like, we just started getting, like, logistics of it. Oh, like, who's going to, you know, who's going to do the eulogy? And, like, oh, you know, there's this family drama. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, you, you don't even want to go there.
1: Mm.
2: In different situations, I think um, it could be really good to... Just delve into the uncomfortableness.
3: Mm. From time to time, it's definitely, it's definitely the most worthwhile thing you can do, and obviously, the most important things are often the most uncomfortable. They're the heaviest. But with that, it's like I can also imagine why, like, you you want to shift a topic to something else because you, it it can be a lot to just like carry that load all the time. So just like take your mind off of it for a little bit until you're in that moment where you're like, all right, now we can like, maybe as an individual, as a neighborhood, as a society, now you start saying like, all right, we have to have this conversation. And hopefully something, and then we try to make something of it. You try to figure out, all right, what do we do with this weight?
0: How, so we how does this we
3: can get rid of it in the future.
0: How does this shape how we think about cancel culture or color, yeah.
3: I just see a lot of the humor that's based within the cancel culture and it feels like you're doing a lot to skirt you're getting doing a lot to like make light of the issue or like attack the issue in like the most surface way that is like of that it sparks joy in the people who are with you and in your in-group but ultimately you're not really you're not really doing what is necessary to like do like the heavy lift of like all right why is this a thing why is this an issue it, it just comes down to Doing the bare minimum.
2: Yeah, like I, I saw somewhere it was like, cancel culture is censorship.
3: And like, soft I, it is it's, it's <laughs> what it comes down to But
0: ah,
3: uh, that frustrates me about some stuff. But I'm sorry, please go.
2: No, yeah, I mean, it's just like, at that point, yeah, there's no, there, there we reach an end.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't go anywhere, it just uh, And then the people who get canceled, like they have that immediate reaction, like this is censorship You're you're blocking my rights as an American, when really you have, you're angry about someone sharing your, their opinion about your opinion, and suddenly like that it turns into censorship. People, we don't know what words mean is what it essentially comes down. It's, it's strange, and then when you get, got, get bogged down in the minutiae of the words, instead of like the actual conversation that could be had, you lose so much of that momentum you lose a lot of the emotional and societal work that could be being done so what does that mean we don't know like what words also, mean like when you say cens- what censorship is for example censorship is literally someone has stopped you from saying what you you can say like there are countries where people where the police literally break down your door and carry you out for things you said someone on twitter saying like I'm not. I'm not subscribing to your YouTube channel anymore. It's like that's that's not exactly censorship. It's someone sharing their opinion. They had an opinion about what you said, and they didn't like it. So they're exercising their free opinion to not buy into it. And of course, it gets into like the toxic side of things when people start like actively doxing other people. When people start um, launching threats of bodily harm against other people, that's when it gets like. I feel like there's a more coherent argument to be had on that point, but. Even then, it's like, your right to say this is still protected. You're still free in that, just as other people are free to have a reaction to what you say. Like, free speech does not entail speech without consequence. It just means you can say it, and then people can say stuff back to you, and then that's how it goes.
0: That was what always pissed me about, like, the Charles Murray stuff. I was like, you know, I can say whatever I want. Yeah, and they can say whatever they want back. It's like, yeah, if they just don't want to, like, buy your shit, then, yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. that's their right, too. That's their First Amendment yeah. right as well.
3: Yeah, that's definitely, man. It, it comes down to people being upset about people having an opinion about having, their, having an opinion. And like all things, it takes away focus from the important stuff in the world the important stuff in the world like the youtube drama between uh, make- <laughs> with, between makeup youtubers which i've been following like so dramatically it's been fl- <laughs> um just like ridiculous stuff like that that
0: like james and,
3: uh, charles and them yeah james charles tati <laughs> yeah, all of them yeah I'm all of them. <laughs> Shane is that still going <laughs> on <laughs> yes you you gotta go you gotta I guess i guess
0: that's just like a running thing
3: I know I you gotta like, open up People Magazine sometime. Getting my little almost. sister tells me about this, but then I'm like, oh my god,
2: <laughs> <laughs> why aren't you informed? The
3: <laughs> These are the great debates of our time.
1: I was on Twitter maybe like a couple months ago when it came out that like there's another allegation against Biden, and people were like, oh, well, like he can't be the, the nominee and basically cancel him right but then the founder of the me too movement which i completely just forgot her name
2: toronto burke
1: toronto burke right so she was on twitter and had made a statement but it got distilled to toronto burke still endorses biden for the nomination right but Which then also caused another wave of, okay, cancel me too, cancel her too. Mm -hmm. Like we can't trust anybody basically, right? The issue was that Burke on her Twitter was saying in a perfect world, we could have accountability and move forward with both the victim and the perpetrator right like in the perfect world where we do not exist in we could find a way past this and he could possibly be the nominee still right but all of that got lost in the heat of twitter moment i don't know but to me it brings back to like cancel culture in the like Flattening of complexity, right? So, and it also is specific to the individual. So, like, if someone wants to say, look, I'm not voting for Biden because he's sketch, that's fine. 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 But at the same time, I can see how the quest for someone who is never wronged is going to end in no one being acceptable. Right? Because there's no, we have no like process of holding people accountable.
0: Mm. I remember in the show, um, oh, Fudge, with, uh, um, What's it called? Unf- unforgivable.
1: Mm.
0: Do you know which one it's called? Inevitable oh. fudge. What's the premise of it? Uh- okay, unbelievable. Got it. Unbelievable. So in this show, Unbelievable, there's these, uh, there's the, this uh, young girl, and she's raped, and she goes to the cops, and she's like interviewed by two male detectives. And uh, one one main one, and he doesn't believe her. And she was actually raped, but the detectives doesn't believe her. Meanwhile, this person is actually like a serial rapist, and is going. This actually happened. Public reported it, and then they made, then Netflix adapted it to a to to a TV show, and he's raping women. In different towns, each with a different police department, so they're not actually in contact. So they don't actually notice a pattern. And these two female detectives, just by just by luck, happen to find happen to realize what's going on. And they start piecing all the clues together. And then at the very end, this girl who was not this is totally a spoiler if you're gonna watch the show. Um, it's totally worth it though. These two detectives, uh, you, they they catch this guy, and it turns out that this um, this young girl, uh, she's vindicated, and the detective who originally believed her, uh, didn't believe her. He says, "You know what? I'm gonna give up my badge. I don't want to do this work anymore because I didn't believe her. I didn't. I, I didn't see you know the truth when it was looking me right in the face." And one of the detectives, uh, one of the female detectives who cracked the case says, no, you should stay in it. And I guess what I was thinking is like, I don't do (laughs) once. Hopefully, ideally, he would learn from that mistake. Like in all the president's men, like Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein make this huge error. It's just like a little tiny detail they mess up, but it sets back when they're investigating Nixon, um, it sets back their investigation months because they were sloppy. And now he's known for being like, Bob Woodward is known for being like so rigorous. Like somebody said that like, like he checks his facts until they cry. Like that's his reputation for being so rigorous about checking his facts. And I think probably that was because early in his career, he made that like huge mistake. So I think yeah we're gonna have to like accept people who have like screwed up and probably screwed up big, and then hopefully they're learning from those mistakes.
3: Hopefully, like that's that is the ideal though, that if you have someone who has actually taken the time to like learn and grow and process through like how they got here or how they got to whatever act people are trying to cancel them for, that's definitely a it's definitely a worthwhile think to take into account that they've actually shown real shown real growth. Unfortunately, we're in a state of affairs right now where it's it's the rock and the hard place, right? Like the hard place is like so horrible, like another 4 years of Trump that many people identify as like a real existential threat to how the country's run right now. And then you've got Biden who Even if he doesn't, if even if he has not grown at all from what people are are accusing him of, or has not changed the person, he's in the world that we inhabit today, he's the best thing that you could ask for. So there's definitely room to say, like, if there is a, a lack of no better option, if there is truly no better option, I will go for the least bad one. But with that, you also have to keep into you also have to keep in mind the energies that'll force you, that'll like hopefully force the conversation from bad versus less bad versus to bad versus good. Like what is our actual good option? Who are we actually who do we actually care about? And who do we actually feel represents us? And hopefully as hopefully people take this lesson from now, from like this moment when both options are so far and start to realize that like no there is something more that we can expect from people and people start like trying to be people start trying to be what they are hoping other people will be people start trying to be like just that better more wholesome more empathetic into emotionally intelligent person that they feel that the person who should be leading the country should be
1: It says, Bitch, you thirsty. Please grab a Sprite. My crib's lurkin'. Don't die tonight. I just wanna dance with you, baby. Just don't move too fast. I'm too crazy. Man down. Down the Ave. And get shaded. A nigga mind off that we can dip fuck in the whip, slide right back in the function. One wrong word, start busting. Put that on my Yankee hat. I'm a gangster, Chris. Fuck gangster rap. Where the ladies at? Where the hoes? Where the bitches? Every real nigga know the difference. Santana browns like the dope daddy shooting in the kitchen. Nerf side nigga never went to Polly Wilson or Cabrilla. Cocaine color of a I don't even know if I pronounced that right.
2: Yeah, I feel like it's hard to have these conversations with some people, and I found it really easy with Sadie, mm-hmm. and even though it's been, I guess, like for me and Aaliyah still, we have, like, these, like, walls that we hit.
0: Oh, she called me, um, a, she, I don't remember what we were talking about, she called me a meninist. Oh, because it was a Bill brisket <laughs> I was listening to a Bill brisket and she's like, wow, I didn't realize you're, like, a man feminist. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm just understand things
2: and i also like get slightly offended when elias calls me a feminist because (laughs) i don't identify as a feminist even though i could believe things that like other feminists believe Mm. um
3: the number one hope i could have is like number two number one hope is sell out like joe rogan and get 10 million dollars for a spotify deal number two hope <laughs> is like if you actually like build up a presence of like people who are actually committed to listening to it and it's like you can just reach out on twitter or something and say like hey i don't really i was interested in this you said and or i want to like push back a little bit on what you said about this you could actually like have a conversation of other people who are just all everyone just trying to figure it out and In the process of having those conversations online, like that's where social media gets to like its best level. When you're actually just like approaching someone and you can just like, just be straight up and talk and figure something out together.
2: It's cool.
3: One day.